So as we are giving, I want to want to share with you a few things. Um, man, I, I I truly do do appreciate and love this church. I want to share with you too. We've got some opportunities uh, to do some things, and as we, I'm, I'm going to be asking folks to be giving some stories soon. Um, I like to talk about the fact that this is the most exciting and amazing thing that has ever happened in the history of the world. Amen. You with me? Whoa. Oh, we're about to get, Hey, we're going to have, we're going to do some enthusiastic things, right? This is the most amazing thing that has ever happened in the history of the world. The fact that Jesus rises from the dead to say who he says he is. Amen. You with me? This is incredible. We should be celebrating the snot out of this. It's, it's amazing, right? Dude, incredible. Like, I don't want us to be thinking like, wow. And I also don't want you to hear what I just told you, that we're in danger or anything like that. But if we continue down that road and don't address it, we would be. But here's the thing. Man, we get to go to heaven. Amazing, right? I don't think you guys sound very enthusiastic about that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We're doing with our family, right? I'm just saying. I, I, I am, a, I, like, to me, that is something that ought to give us a pep in our step like nobody's business. And when we say, man, it's the greatest thing in the history of the world, we ought to be like, wow, right? Amen? Amen. Man, I'm telling you. Like, here's the thing. We're in this, in, in this series called Margin, right? And I love this series. What I've, what I've enjoyed about this series is that we're talking about margin, not just from the standpoint of money, but from the standpoint of time. Now, here, here's the thing about, about what, I, what I love about time that God is. How many people have ever done so many things in one particular day? You're like, God, there's no way I could get this done. Lord, there's no way this is going to happen. Lord, there's no way that if, if you don't figure this out, I'm never going to get this stuff done. And it's stuff you had to get done, stuff you had to do. And all of a sudden, you get this stuff done, and you turn around, and you got time to spare. Anybody ever experienced that? Absolutely, right? No doubt about it. Like, like there is, there is it. Like, I think that just like money, because sometimes people will will pray to God about money and things like that, and they'll say, "Okay, I'll I'll be I'll be man obedient in this, and I'll be uh, honoring God in the finances that I have." And all of a sudden, the math don't work out, and you got more money left over than you've ever had in your life. I'll never forget Ed and Bernie Garvin when Ed lost his job. They continued to to tithe and give offerings and things like that. And at the end of the year, they had all this money in their bank account. They said, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it's not a math issue. It's a God issue, right? Same thing with time. Same thing with time. And so when we're talking about time right now, we're talking about having this margin because we have set up our schedules in such a way that, that it honors God. And God, I believe, and I've experienced this, can expand Time. In fact, I think I might have experienced it this past week. I'm a bivocational pastor. If some of you guys haven't known that or anything like that, I actually work outside of New City Church. So my total hours worked last week was about 85, if I'm understanding 
correctly, which I'm not uh, opposed to. I don't, we don't we're, we're empty nesters. We don't have soccer games to go to or anything like that. I'm not trying to brag, like, oh, work so much or anything like that. But I have had that conversation this week. Like, God, there's no way, right? And then you got all this time to spare. It's like, wow, huh, it's kind of this, this margin, right? There's this ease in our walk. There's this, wow, how did I, you get that all done, Lord? Because here's the deal. All of us have 168 hours in a week. That's 24 hours a day times seven. Some of you are checking my math right now. 49 hours of sleep, if that's seven hours per night, I wish. Some of us are like, I got to get my stuff together. I sleep a lot more than that. Uh, If you take 50 hours of work, on average, people work 50 hours, some less, some more. That leaves us with Bill and Ted's favorite number of hours, 69. Some of you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. Bill and Ted's Exit Adventure, go rent it. That's, or whatever we do nowadays on Apple Tunes. Yeah, that's right. Did download it. I don't know, man. I'm an old man. I still got VHS, right? Blockbuster closed? When? Um, <laughs> she remembers the date and the time very well. But we get to do whatever we want for those 69 hours. And so what, what I'm saying is that there is... There is this margin that we can set up in our schedules that if we do this right, and if we do this in a way that honors God in absolutely everything we do, guys, there is this pep in our step, and there's this ease, and there's this joy, and there's this peace, and there's this margin in our time that we will have. The way we've got to look at this is the way, way Peter talked to Jesus in Matthew 16, where Peter says, you are the Messiah, right? We've got to honor every, like. I, Our schedules have to honor God, Jesus, as Messiah. That's first. The way we approach our schedule is with the greatest of commands, according to Jesus, that that we love God and love our neighbors. So if those greatest of commandments are the greatest of commandments, then our schedule should should, should basically reflect that. Amen? With me on that? So if, uh, if, we are, if we are seeing Jesus as Messiah, right, the one who was chosen, the one who came, and then like honoring God with everything we have, and then honoring our neighbor as ourselves and loving our neighbor ourselves, then we set up our schedules that way. Just like our checkbooks reflect our heart, so does our, our schedule. Our approach, and, our, and, and what we talked about last week was, or a couple weeks ago actually now, was how we tell time. Do you you remember when we talked about how God set up the days in the beginning? It was, there was evening, then there was morning the first day. And my thinking was, man, that would be kind of cool if we actually set that up. Like, like, Like an hour day, like our day actually starts in the evening time. So the sun starts going down. That's the first part of our day. How many people wouldn't want to, to start off with their day? Hey, I'm just going to chill with family and friends for a little bit. And then I'm going to take a fat seven-hour nap for the rest of the day. And then I might get up and, and work a little bit. That would be a great day, right? Well, if we look at our days as starting in the evening time and ending the, the next quote-unquote day, and our work day ends, that, that's just kind of how it sets up. I wouldn't mind chilling with family when the first part of the day and then taking a big old nap for the rest of that day and then getting up and going to work. That'd be kind of cool, right? So we also learned 
about how to set up our schedule with three R's and a W. So we, we talked about how we set it up for rest and uh, rest and remaining or abiding. And we talked about work and we talked about relationships, right? Uh, next week, I'm really excited. Where's Pastor Kyle? Oh, hey, Pastor Kyle, <laughs> courtesy flush, Pastor, I'm kidding, man. <laughs> That's fantastic. Kyle's going to give the message next week on something. <laughs> no, 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 it's totally cool, it's totally cool. Don't go get him, don't go get him, don't go get him. I love this church, don't go get him. Okay, cool, cool. She's like, hey, Casey's calling for you. No, you don't need to come out. Um, I, was, I was in there earlier, That's fantastic, so. Um, <laughs> so good. Oh my goodness, so irreverent. I love it. Um, but but what we Kyle's going to be talking next week about what it means to to have use your table not only for developing relationships in your family and friend network, but also to to maybe unbelievers. They they actually talked about that a whole bunch at Super Summer this past year. And we always have, Pastor Carl, by the way, is our um, youth pastor, if you don't know. So we always have our youth pastor, Kyle, come and talk about what they learned at Super Summer. For whatever reason, we didn't do that this year. And I think it was because God's like, hey, not yet. I got to do that because we want you to talk about it next week. So we're really kind of, so I'm looking forward to that, right? And so we've got that coming up next week. But this week, and I want to talk us about about how do we let family just be family? How do we let, like, like if, if I'm, a, if I'm a, a husband to Judy, which I am, how do I let Judy just be Judy, not the, the, the mold I want to try to make her because I'm wired a certain way and, and I don't want people to think this or what, like all that stuff, right? <laughs> He's back. That wing of the church is closed. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I love it. But how do we let people be people? Like, how do we let our kids be our kids? Our kids are wired a certain way, right? You with me on that, right? Our kids are wired. How many people have multiple, ki- multiple children, and one kid is completely different than the other kid, even though they got the same DNA mix, same raising? I mean, it's crazy, right? How does that happen, right? That's weird. Well, kids are created by God in certain ways. How do we let them do that? How do we just let them be? There's some biblical things that we can understand in that. And so how do we let our spouse be our spouse? How do we let our kids be our kids and it be all right? Because if we trust God with them, then it's going to be a lot easier. Here's, here's what we try to do and tend to do. How many times have we heard uh, parents, everybody with me? Here, okay. Uh, how, many, how many times have we seen parents of, of children, and this is especially true a lot of times in the church, where they try to make sure that everybody knows we're just fine, right? And everything's good, and my children are perfect. And, and when reality is, we're all jacked up and messed up. I'm a knucklehead, and you're a knucklehead, and we got issues, right? Yeah, everybody's like, yeah, my God, that was a good amen. Especially you, Pastor, right? So we're, we're looking at this like from the standpoint of we're trying to hide our flaws or trying to hide our, 
uh, problems that we might have. And, and what God says is like, let, let God expose this stuff. Like, like, let God deal with this stuff. Like, be honest with each other. Now, at the same time, that doesn't mean we need to be Eeyore all the time, right? It doesn't mean we need to come and say, oh, man, we're just beat up by the world. Oh, man, I'm just nothing, everything. God's everything. Like, no. Like, we've got to be enthusiastic because that's what it talks about. But at the same time, honest. Does that make sense? Like, we just got to be, like, but what we don't want to do is have, uh, as a parent, for example, have little Johnny say, Johnny, don't step there. Johnny, don't blow there. Johnny, Johnny, don't sniff there. Johnny, don't walk like that. Johnny, don't fart. Johnny, don't do anything. Don't pee in your pants. Don't do any of that stuff. Don't spill your milk, Johnny. But Johnny, don't you spill that milk. What's Johnny going to do if, he, if you tell him all the time don't spill his milk? He's going to spill his milk, ain't he, right? And he might fart and pee at the same time, Right? Because you got him so freaked out, he don't know what to do. How many times? You want, let me tell you something. You want to teach children to hate Jesus? Be something different at church than you are at home. Total confusion, man. Total confusion. Same thing can go with our spouses. Our wives, our husbands, same thing goes with them. What if we try to mold them into something that, that God created them to be something, and we can't trust God, so we're going to try to make them different than what they actually are, man. It's, oh, man, it's like it just, this, this, this crazy type of thing and, and system where we're trying to change somebody, right? Now, does that mean if somebody's not a believer, they don't need, oh, man, God, we're going to pray like crazy for those, for those family members of ours that are not believers yet absolutely but but at the same time we're not going to try to nag we're not going to try to manipulate we're not going to try to you know beg or anything like that's just man it's one of those things where we are trying in the name of jesus to let our family be family now you guys know that i my my wife and i judy are not the perfect parents to our daughter who was growing up named Morgan. A lot of you guys know Morgan. She's now a worship leader for New City at another campus, which is cool. Um, and she's you know, married to a believer, married to another worship leader. It's awesome. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. We love her and everything like that. But that is on God because Judy and I messed up a bunch, right? Like we didn't do this perfectly. But one thing I think we did pretty perfectly, or not perfectly, but very well, was we laughed a lot, if you can imagine, at our house, I mean a lot. We were, like it was, it was a house that was filled with laughter, I, I think. I'll give you an example. Judy is uh, much, much more of a clean freak than I am. Anybody else suffer from that dilemma at your home, right? So, so if somebody's coming over, especially if somebody's gonna be staying, dude, we gotta clean everything, right? I'm like, baby, they are not going to see the duct work. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen now. But, but she wanted me to, to vacuum upstairs. And I said, I'll be right back. And I started walking downstairs and Morgan is right there at the bottom of the stairs. And I, and, and I'm walking down. What's up, girl? How you doing? And, and walking downstairs and Judy says, Hey, Casey, get up here. Let's get busy. I'm like, well, all right, right? So I started walking backwards. I thought Morgan was going to lose her mind. Like she collapsed in laughter, man. So I was like, do you hear what your mama just said, right? That kind of thing. Like it's just, like it's just that's the way we, we, I mean, it's just kind of household we have. And so here's, the, the funny thing is, like, is if our 
our spouses are believers, then they're also our sibling. Does that, does that make sense spiritually? And so I, Morgan is, was a believer at like 9 or 10 or something like that. I think she recommitted about 13 when she was 13. But, but she was a believer at a pretty young age. So she was not only my daughter, but my, my sister in the faith. So we gave each other a really hard time. And I want to give you a, a, an example of that hard time she gave me once. When she was growing up and all that kind of thing, she was about nine or ten at the time. And some of you guys remember this, this example because some of us went to church together at the time at another church in Olathe. And so we were at this small little church and it was a kid's program and all the little kids had little ties and dresses and that kind of thing. They were, all, they were doing a neat little thing. And so they were talking about their memory verses, right? And, and so these children were doing their memory verses and they had some sweet uh, verses like these. And I'm not gonna make fun of the verses, but I'm gonna try to talk to them as, as childlike as I can. Philippians 4.13 I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Oh, everybody clap, right? Billy, he was so good, man. He's so, you must be so proud, right? right? Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration, plans for your welfare, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Oh, Susie did so good. Oh, you were so proud. Oh, oh, wow, right? Another kid would say something like, Matthew twenty two thirty seven. he said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Susie was so good. Oh, you must be so proud. Billy's so good, right? All these, like, everybody was like, oh, they just look at each other and clap. That's so great. That's so good. And he looks so cute, right? And then Morgan punked me. Check this out. Like, big time, man. I'm like, What? This is the NIV version. Now, 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 now don't, don't put it on the, on the screen yet. Because when she did it, and she looked so pretty. She had a little dress, a little bow in her hair. And, and, she, and she looks at me. And she's got this little half crooked smile up. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them, bring them up in the training instruction of the Lord. And she's looking at me, she smiled. And, I, and, and nobody said nothing. <laughs> nobody said, nobody, everybody's like, everything all right at home? <laughs> right? And I'm, I'm like, Oh, there's going to be some exasperating going on when I get home, right? She punked me. And she played a joke, literally played a joke on me. In the middle of church, in the middle of a serious kids program, and I loved every minute of it. I loved it, man. Because what, what, what would have happened if I had gone home and said, why'd you embarrass me like that? What would you, what would, man, you, what, what are people going to think of me, right? And so many times we, we, we tend to, to try to do that for our kids, not so that our kids would be better kids, but so that we don't look bad. If we're going to be honest, right? Amen. You with me, right? I'm not trying to point fingers on everything, but we all tend to do this. Same thing with our spouses. We don't want to let them be who they are because what are people going to say about 
about me. Oof, right? I have to look in the mirror a lot on these kinds of things. Like, oh, I don't want people at church because I'm a pastor to think, bang. Like, it's worse when you're a pastor. A lot of the temptation, a lot of times, is to the, we've got to let God do his thing in the people around us. Amen. Right? And with this, I want to read about a chapter and a few verses of scripture and go through the context of that because if I had been a better Bible scholar, I could have done a nice rebuttal with Morgan. (laughs) And I'll share that with you here in just a second. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 1 through Ephesians 6, ending in verse 4. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. What are we? Dearly loved children, right? And walk in love as the Messiah also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should should not even be heard of among you as is proper for saints. Coarse and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. For no one recognized this. Every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of the Messiah and of God. This is serious, right? And think about this in context, right? Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light results in all goodness, righteousness, and and faith. Discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made clear. For what makes everything clear is light. Therefore it is said, get up sleeper and rise from the dead and the Messiah will shine on you. Pay careful attention then. This is where it starts getting into the, into the whole margin talk, right? How you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. We've talked about that. Don't be, so don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions, but be filled by the Spirit. Paul is talking through to the church in Ephesus here because this is obviously a problem in the church, right? And they're not addressing it. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music from your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21. Listen to this. Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And everybody said amen. No, they didn't. <laughs> You're like... Wait a minute, there's more. I know there is. Dismissed, everybody. Now, check this out. There is a couple of verses for wives, a ton of verses for the husbands. 
in this. What God is asking everybody to do is understand that the groom, Jesus, is going to be coming back for his bride, the church. The church submits ultimately to Jesus. What Paul is asking and what's sharing with the church in Ephesus is that we model this at home. Now, check this out. And I've got some things because walls come up a lot of times in our culture. Wait, 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 wait. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives are to submit to their husbands and everything. Oh, what? But there's more. You ever see those old commercials? But wait, there's more. See, this is why it's dangerous to take a verse of scripture out of context and apply it to your life. That's why I challenge people and say, well, my life scripture is bang. And I go, a lot of times when they tell me what it is, I'm like, that ain't what it means. (laughs) I'm sorry. You know, it's like one of those deals like, yeah. But this is the same thing because I've had literally, like I've had lots of experiences in my life in occupational and things like that. And I ran rental properties in a very hard part of Kansas City, in the northeast part of Kansas City. Prostitution, drugs, all this kind of stuff, rampant. And I had a tenant that he told his wife to become a prostitute. And he used this verse to tell her, you got to do what I say. Are you kidding me? That is a twisted manipulation of the scripture and because she loved Jesus she said okay no right here's the deal what we're going to find out is that the husbands have to be the kind of husbands they're supposed to be and if they tell the wife to do something that is against God the wife ain't got to do it This is not a slave and master relationship or boss-employee relationship. This is a reflection of Christ and the church. Listen to what it says next, because that's a couple of verses for the wives. But here's the deal. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives. Oh, I got to do that. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How much did Christ love the church? That's you and me, y'all, right? Everything, right? Gave everything, right? Sacrificed himself for, for us, for her, to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will be, become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. If you do this at home, this will be done 
in the church to sum up each one of you is to love his wife as himself and his wife is to respect her husband. Quick story and we'll be finished with the last few verses of this passage. But a lot of you guys know Jim Harris. He's go cheese. He's got a hood. We called each other. Got our hoodies. But Jim was uh, one of my original Sunday school teachers. And then he kicked me out of the nest and you go teach, right? And so I had a group of, of young people that, that I was teaching. And there, was, there were two sisters that were in the Sunday school class. And this is why I know, I know God puts words in your mouth. Because I'm like, I, I would have never thought to do this on my own. It's like, hey, say this, right? But we went through this passage and, and immediately we said, it, when it said, wives submit to your own husbands as, as to the Lord, they're like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, right? I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, she goes, well, I, what's this about? I said, well, uh, let's keep reading, you know, because there's, there's, there's stuff for the wives and the husbands here, right? So we read this passage and we said, and I said, what, what's your beef with the passage? I said, well, I just think, that was written a couple thousand years ago. At that point, women couldn't take care of themselves. Now we can, hear me roar, all this kind of stuff, right? Like the modern day uh, presentation of, of the, hey, we're equals, and we are, absolutely, no doubt about it, right? But what she was saying was that I have a problem with this whole idea of, of submitting to a man in my life. Now, keep in mind, I knew the guys that they were dating, they were jackwads, right? Unbelievers, didn't go to church. They were, they were believers coming on, all that kind of stuff, right? And so I was sharing with them what this is. And I said, well, let me ask you. So we read this passage about how husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. Let me, uh, let me ask you what Christ did. Did he provide for the church? Yes. Did he protect the church? Yes. Did he die for the church? Yes. And I said, well, let me ask you that. If you have a husband that you're married to and your husband is filled with the Holy Spirit, loves Jesus like, like crazy, like treats the hierarchy of his love as he loves God with everything he has, he loves you next, loves your children after that, like it's like awesome, right? And he's filled with the Holy Spirit, craves the word of God, reads his Bible all the time, is willing to do whatever he can to pro provide for you, works hard, he's not lazy, he's willing to, to protect you. And not only that, he loves you and treats you like the queen you deserve to be treated like. If you had a husband like that, and not only that, he's willing to take a bullet for you. He's providing, he's treating you very, very well. He loves you. He, he holds you up and is willing to die for you. Would you have a problem following that guy? You know what they both said? Nope. Sure wouldn't. I said, so it's really not the scriptures you have an issue with, is it? The issue is the kind of men that you think you might marry someday. That's the problem. And they're like, yeah, that's it. Isn't that, isn't that wild? Think about that. The scriptures work. Scriptures are pure and undefiled. It's the people that we try to fit into our scriptures and the way we try to 
fit our lives into this. It's like, I, don't, I don't like that. Well, it's not a lot of times the scriptures that are the problem. It's us. Amen. Yeah. Woo. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. This mystery is profound. But I'm talking about Christ in the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself. The wife is to respect her husband. Wow. Women, wives crave love. Husbands crave respect. It's amazing. And here we go. As we finish up. Children, obey your parents as you would the Lord, because it is right. If I'd have had that scripture with Morgan, I'd have shouted it out in the middle of the church service. Obey your parents. I was just kind of in shock. I was like, dude, she just punked me, man. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may live, may have a long life in the land. In this version, rather than the NIV version says, Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And everybody said, amen. And we're going to finish up in about two minutes, but I want to share something with you. A Thursday night service has a family that has been coming. They live here in Edgerton. Um, They exemplify this really, really well. And I asked them if I could share this, their, their story uh, on Thursday night, I said, yeah, so I'm going to talk about you on Sunday. So if you want to show up Sunday, have people meet you, that's cool too. But they, they, they have chosen Thursday for their, their service, and they, and they have a church home too, so it's pretty cool. Um, but two Thursday nights ago, Pete's right here. Patrick Snyder's right here. The guy I'm talking about is a guy named Josh Sittler. Anybody know Josh Sittler in town? Josh Sittler? Anybody know Josh? Josh is crazy, man. Big old bodybuilder dude, man. Like this dude is, is, is a monster. I'm scared of him. So he's right here. His 11-year-old son is right here. And we're talking through some stuff. And like we're, we're having a deep conversation about the things of Jesus, right? And, and he says something and he said, I have not always been, and this is Josh telling, telling us, I have not always been the best parent or husband. And he looks at his son, his 11-year-old son, and he goes, man, I just want you to know I'm really sorry if I haven't told you that before. And I said, can we just pause this conversation for a second? Hold on. I said, dude, what you just did was straight-up gangster, man. <laughs> Seriously. I said, that is so rare for parents to tell their kids, I'm sorry for messing up. Because we do, right? None of us are perfect, right? Like, it's, a, like it's okay. And I, and I looked at his son. I said, son, let me ask you a question. Your dad just apologized to you. How much do you respect him more because he's willing to do that? He goes, a lot. We want to keep our game face on. We want to keep... Our, our, our fronts up and things like that. I can't apologize to their children. I'm there. I'm, what are they going to think of me? They're going to lose respect. So again, it's about me, right? Versus what's right. 
And then the next week, Thursday night rolls around and I get to have a conversation with he and his wife, Christina. And their kids are all just kind of gathered around him. And I'm talking to him, Josh, about his situation and what he's doing and all this kind of stuff and what's going on. And, and he tells me about his upbringing. He didn't grow up in the church and just kind of just in different things in his family. And I said, well, how did you become a Christian? And his wife laughs. She goes, oh, you got to tell him this story. And she's probably heard it a thousand times in other settings and things like that. And he goes, dude, let's sit down. She sits down next to him, and here's what she does. She hangs on his every word, and she watches and listens to him, even though she knows it. She didn't go, you guys, I've heard this. I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to wait for you out in the car. Thank you. She respects him, and he loves her, right? And the kids are brought up in certain way. Like, they, like, they're let, like they let them do like it. They do it really well. So if you want to meet these guys Come to church on Thursday night. Say, hey, I heard about your example. And really encourage them, man, because it is rare. I'm not saying nobody else does it. I just, I just saw it. It was incredible. Amen? So here's my ask for everybody. Let those closest to you be who they are. Don't nag, manipulate, try to change. Don't do any of that. And here's why. Because ultimately, it is God who's going to change. We don't have the power. So relax. Let God do his thing. Be the best people that we can be. One of my heroes is a guy named Lee Strobel who wrote a book called The Case for Christ almost 20 years ago. Pulitzer Prize winning Chicago Tribune reporter, investigative journalist. And atheists tried to prove Jesus wrong, try to use investigative journalist skills to to go investigate the claims that Jesus rose from the dead and all the things that he did and that kind of thing. Because his wife had become a Christian. He's like, I don't think so. I'm going to try to make sure she... What he found out, using the skills that he was so proficient in, he found out it was all true, became a very prominent Christian. And I love him for his mind. I love him for his apologetics. I love him for the fact that he has proven beyond reasonable doubt through his investigation that, that Jesus is the Messiah. I love it. But his daughter, after having all this knowledge and all this investigation, all this intellect and all these proofs and facts and everything like that, which just tickled me to death, didn't mean nothing to his daughter. His daughter, though, came to Jesus because she said, I want Jesus because of what he did to my daddy. He became a better man and a better husband and a better father because he started honoring God in the things that he did. Amen. You want to see the world change? You want to see the world come to know Jesus? You want to have opportunities to do, like share the gospel with people? Relax. And enjoy the presence of God. And let God do his thing in people. We don't have the kind of power to change. I don't care how much we nag or manipulate or try to hold our children into certain ways so they don't look bad. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. Like, God 
will make his way known to these kids, to our spouses, amen? To our friends, to our families, to our neighbors. I lived next to a neighbor for 20 years. I've been praying for this guy, right? Serve him. All this, this dude's going to come to know Jesus, but not because of me, because of God, right? Amen? And so I want us to be thinking in those terms as we leave here today, and we're, we're done, as we dismiss that we leave here with an with a, with a understanding that margin is not just about getting a tight schedule. It's about truly honoring God and resting in God all the time so that we don't have to change people for him. He does the work we just introduced to the worker, right? Amen? So let our kids be our kids. Let our spouse be our spouse. And when you realize that the power is not in you, that's a huge win. So, Father, we love you. And this has been a very fun week, a very fun day, and a very fun service, Lord, because you're in this. Your enthusiasm, your Holy Spirit, your your power is here, God. It has nothing to do with us except that we are filled with you. And so we just thank you for that. God, we thank you that we have the opportunity to 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 model, and not just to model, but to actually be in step with you in the way we treat our family, in the way we treat our children, in the way we treat our coworkers, in the way we treat our bosses, and the way we treat those that we supervise, our neighbors. Oh, man. Lord, may your kingdom truly be fulfilled and come because we all we do is step into obedience. And out comes the example of who you are. We ask these things, Father, in your son Jesus' name. With enthusiasm, everybody in the house said amen. Amen.